Hello, welcome to Launch Left Podcast. I'm Rain Phoenix, and today's very special guest is Hooray the Riff Raff. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Please welcome her to the show. Hello, Alinda, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Can I gush for just a second about your record? That would feel great because I've been living in a bubble for two years. (laughs) So I'll take it. Hooray, the riffraff is a very singular artist because somehow you've managed to like pull all these, some of my favorite people like Kate Bush and... (laughs) And oh, then yeah. also like Leonard Cohen. And then, wow. you know, it's just just a wide range of people, but you don't sound like them, but I just feel their blessing in the album somehow. Wow, that's a beautiful way to put it. Thank you. What first brought you to music? I know you had at 17 left New York and ended up in New Orleans where you live now. And sounded rather romantic, boxcar hopping all the way there. Uh, I'm sure that was great fodder and inspiration, but did you always know, and during that time, were you playing music? Did you always know music was going to be your creative outlet? Well, when I was a kid, I've, I loved music. You know, that's like what I turned to as a weird little kid who felt like I was born in the wrong time. And then when I found punk rock, that's when I realized I was born exactly the right time. Um, But when I left home, I didn't really play music. I was kind of, um, I wrote poetry and I knew that I didn't think I could handle having a real job, but I wasn't sure what I was going to do. My biggest um, inspiration or idea was, oh, maybe I'll like become a squatter and I'll learn how to do electric work. (laughs) That was my big goal. Um, But it was when I ran away and when I got to New Orleans was when I started to play music on the street because um, I needed to make money. And I met other street kids there who were playing acoustic instruments. We were learning old, you know, folk songs from all over the world. And then once again, I was kind of living in this other time, you know, like I, my first instrument was the washboard because that's all I knew how to do is I was like, I can keep a rhythm and I'll play with these shells that I found on the ground. Um, But it was through that, that kind of like wolf pack of kids that I, started to write and sing. And I just like had this amazing community behind me. And you all formed bands together or was it more just uh, kind of to start busking or panhandling and then coming together to share the the rewards and have dinner? (laughs) Yeah, it was, well, we would busk primarily. And that was a really great way to just like keep myself out of trouble, really, you know, I mean, my drug was playing music, I just wanted to play music all day long. And I was constantly learning. And I was surrounded by people of all different skill levels, too. Some of these kids like learned how to play classical piano, you know, so it was this really amazing little bubble of, of community. Um, And, you know, then eventually I started feeling like, well, I have songs I want to write. And then it turned into real shows, you know, at not just on the street. And New Orleans is great in that way that everybody sits in with each other and everybody, you know, forms a ton of different bands. But it was different for me to go on the road as Ray for the Riff Raff. Then I kind of 
you know, isolated myself a bit from this very New Orleans centric world here. Um, and I just tried to tour as much as possible across the U.S. until today, you know. What made you stop in New Orleans, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> well, you know, there was like, this was before cell phones, really. I didn't have one. And then definitely before, like, the internet was the way it is now, social media, for sure. And there were just, like, word of mouth in the punk scene, especially the traveling scene, about what cities were good for traveling kids, what places were, you know, friendly, or where'd you have to really look out for the cops, places like that. And um, everybody talked about New Orleans because, I mean, for lack of a better reason, everyone was like, you can drink outside there. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> one reason that you won't get messed with by the cops. Um, but I was just drawn to the romance of what people talked about. And it was just this mythical place. And a friend of mine was like, hey, we're driving down there, get in the van if you want to come. And I still remember that van ride. And I remember I was with these metal heads and they were listening to Iron Maiden the whole time. <laughs> and I remember like awesome. getting out and just like the feeling of the air and being like, this is a magical place. I, I imagine you have, and maybe you don't, a few ghost stories, but I grew oh, up some in the yeah. South and I have some ghost stories. So. Oh, yeah. What yeah. part of the South did you grow up in? So I grew up in Gainesville, Florida, but there oh, are some wow. out, outlying, uh, like Cross Creek and Micanopy. There's all these little towns that you can go to from there that are really uh, almost frozen in time. Wow. Um, and yeah, I had more than more than my share of interesting stories. Uh, I'm sure you did too. Something about I, when I went to New Orleans, anytime I've been there, I feel that. Like when I arrive, oh, I'm like, yeah. wow, I can feel, I can oh, feel yeah. the spirits. The spirits are kind of cranking there. Yeah, and they really demand respect. Yeah. It's very, I mean, if there's one thing I learned a lot from traveling as like a young kid was to really rely on my intuition. And coming to New Orleans, I learned a lot about intuition and a lot about respecting the ghosts and humbling myself and you know you find you you witness a lot of people coming here and kind of getting like overtaken almost you know like just people going down spirals that feel a little bit more metaphysical than just about addiction or something um and i learned to really respect the dead here and to honor them and especially with music you know Knowing that you traveled a lot and that you kind of like to keep moving, do you still feel like New Orleans is your spot? Like you don't have any urge to go move somewhere else right now? And this is where you've put down roots, so to speak? This is definitely my home. I will say that the hurricanes are really hard to withstand for my nervous system. You know, it's really... Um, it's really scary. This last one that we had in uh, September was just brutal. And the whole city lost electricity for almost an entire month. That's what we were being told when we left. But it ended up being like, like two weeks. 
Um, so that's really the only reason why I would leave. You know, it starts to feel a little bit like it fed so much into the album, like, well, the apocalypse is here in a way. So where do I want to spend my apocalypse? <laughs> you know, it gets a little, um, yeah, it gets a little scary in that way, but I love it here for sure. I worked with Brad Cook out in Durham, North Carolina, and I love it there. And I love Brad. He was definitely I mean, I kind of see him as like a spirit guide. I really needed his energy to get me through the journey of making this album. I felt very vulnerable and I am very sensitive to energy, you know? So when I met him, I just knew that it was right. Wow. And again, in, in the South, another amazing state, North Carolina, I mean, just love it. I know. And the triangle's so cool. I mean, there's a lot of amazing artists coming out of North Carolina right now Mm -hmm. and a lot of amazing just like community happening. Yeah, for sure. Your record has so many different beats in terms Mm of, I mean, um, feelings and it is almost like traveling the the United States. Every state is different, you know, like each song has a sort of story unto itself and is governed by its own energetic frequency to me. It was. And it's <laughs> funny you say that because Brad really helped me. I mean, I was like, you know, when you're so in it, you're like, I need somebody outside of my mind yeah. <laughs> and my consciousness to look at this and just give me a different viewpoint And it was Brad who was like, saga has to end it. And I never thought of that because, you know, we're kind of told these like rules about like, oh, hit them with the like singles in the front and stuff like that. Um, And this idea of a song like saga ending it, I always knew I wanted to open it with wolves because wolves is like this kind of call to action, like a warning Um, But it felt so good to, it felt like we really like, you know, hit an arc. Like we finished the story when ending with a song like Saga, that's about moving on and healing as best as you can from trauma and starting a new chapter in your life and identifying as something other than a victim or even a survivor. For me, it was about identifying as like an adventurer, you know, um, And it, but yeah, it was a little, I had to, I had to really step out of myself to, to hear it. And when I heard that sequence, it all just made sense. Well, yeah. And especially thinking about how to, to sort of finish the project with that song, with the way you described it now is such a great way to start whatever comes next. It's like it, it opens the road to all anything you could decide to make a classical record and that song was the you know what I mean that song was exactly like here we go adventure let's start anew and that's so that's yeah yeah Yeah, because I don't know if you experienced this but you know of course when I'm done with a project I feel a little bit of fear of like will I ever write another song Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like oh god I finished that will I be able to do this again um so that was also a way of me being like, no, there's so much more to come, you know? 
One of my favorites on the record is Night Queen, because I feel like that's one of those songs that like just brings you to this underworld real quick. And it has a quote from one of my favorite poets, Ocean Vuong. It's an interview that he did on a podcast called On Being that Mm -hmm. I just listened to like nonstop on my long walks in lockdown. And it just feels like this really nice little moment where we get to go into the underworld and hang out in kind of a different reality before we come back up. I wanted to touch on something that I noticed was um, in your bio that I too have done, which is EMDR, a trauma therapy, Uh, because not, I think it's become much more um, mainstream or, or that it's a modality that people have used a lot more than when I first came across it, I would say in the early aughts, it was very rare. And, uh, but I had, I did like an intensive of it and it was so incredibly helpful. Um, uh, you know, around my brother's death and, mm-hmm. you know, and, but it it is so interesting. Isn't it a, a wild experience to be like, what do you mean? I'm hearing two separate sounds and holding vibrating nodes in my hand. It was totally. just like, but then you would leave going, Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and then you have to be so delicate with yourself because everything was uh, f- potentially, um, upsetting, right? You could get really sensitive. Did you oh, have that experience? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely going home and getting as cozy as possible. You know, I mean, I have had some really amazing experiences of, of just like witnessing and it would be kind of a memory. We'd start with a memory that wasn't even like, you know, the worst of the worst. It would be something pretty, you know, that hurt me, but that we could work through that wouldn't really overwhelm my system. And I would go on a journey in my mind where all of a sudden I'm standing up for myself as a kid, you know, like my mind just kind of traveling through time and going through these healing roads that I couldn't have even like made up if I wanted to, it would just start happening. And, um, you know, I, I'm, really open to healing. And I I can be a little bit woo woo myself. But I also have this like New York cynical, like, I don't know, I'm, I've been doing therapy for a long time, like, I don't know if you're going to help me, you know. And it was really, it's been the thing that connected my body to my mind, to the, the intellectual healing that I've been trying to do for years in talk therapy, being like, oh, yeah, no, I got my trauma unlocked. It can explain it to you real quick and easy, you know. But my body was just so ramped up. And, you know, I'm still on my journey with that. But this was the thing that connected my body and my brain to be like, hey, we're not under threat right now. You can relax for a second. Hmm. And I had no idea for how long I've been living in this like state of just total panic, like an animal ready to run for my life, you know? Um, Yeah. And it was because of lockdown that I finally saw that so clearly when I didn't have that ability to get on a plane or get in the van 
or just busy myself, I was like, why do I feel like a shark is going to come after, you know, like just in total panic. Um, so I'm so grateful to have found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to bring it up just so that our listeners um, who maybe don't know about it totally can know that they could explore that. And I'm pretty sure now even, you know, insurance covers it and yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a uh, known, it's a, it's a known therapeutic that now is not so woo woo or out there um, and totally. has been proven, proven a time and time again to help. So I just wanted to bring that up and in yeah, case it could help others, you know, there's a great book called the body keeps a score that, you know, really explains it for all the science, the science nerds out there that want to <laughs> read about it. I know that you were kind enough to bring to us a new artist, Amelia Jackie. Amelia is why I write songs. Amelia, wow. I met, yeah, for sure. I met Amelia when I was 17 on the road and she just completely changed my life. I mean, she was writing songs and traveling with her guitar. And I just remember being like, I have never met somebody so cool in my life, you know? And her songs were so in fused with these ideas of feminism and queerness and just they were it just like was a revolution in my mind for me you know um so I'm so happy to share her music and she's gonna be playing some shows with me on this next tour I'm doing too and we're all going through this weird world together you know and we're all even the people that are doing like greatest at some things or feeling so insecure and yeah you know it's really so important because I think we can feel as artists really lonely I mean I know I felt very lonely throughout this pandemic um but Amelia is one of those people that I call up and I'm like is this a good idea does this make sense how does this lyric sound to you you know oh that's awesome yeah until you've done it as an artist or been the kind of artist that breaks that mold of what that competition thing that that is yes. just innate because it's a societal habit. It's not true, though. It's not who we are. And you choose to do something like, I'm lonely or I feel this way. And instead, I'm going to offer something to someone else and yeah. you receive what that feels like. Once you know that, you kind of are just one of those artists that'll keep doing that because you realize, oh, it's all a circle. It's a circle of giving. Totally. Yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, my first instrument besides the washboard was the banjo. And it was given to me by a New Orleans musician who was like, hey, this is a banjo that never stays in tune. And I got a new one. Somebody told me you want to learn this. So here you go. (laughs) And That completely changed my life, you know, just somebody taking a a chance. So, yeah, I definitely appreciate what you're doing here. Thank you so much for making such a timely record. It is called Life on Earth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's a woo. I did it. Yeah, you got that. (laughs) Um, And would you mind if we bring in Amelia? Yes. Would you mind if we bring in Amelia? Amelia Jackie, that's you. Hi, just listening to your song, Time is the Killer. 
Oh, cool. I loved oh. it. It's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Moving, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I just listened to your song and was like, what? <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I was just sharing with Alinda. I was like, whoa, I love that you brought her to our attention. And now we know about you. Now we're going to be spinning you all the time over here at, at Club Launch <laughs> Left. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. And um, how? what is your first memory of meeting Alinda? I had seen Alinda perform in her band, which was Hot Dog Is My Hero. Wow. I think she was 15, and it was at Sea Squat. And I was up, like, in the rafters, and I was just like, whoa, this is insane. And then, so I was already a little obsessed. And then, wow, <laughs> we, I remember we were at a kitchen table at Casa del Sol, which was a big squat in the South Bronx. And it was also like an organizing center um, because the RNC was being hosted that year in new york city yeah so that's when we met wow do you remember that no but i remember nothing i remember me neither i remember us all hanging out on a construction site and you playing the guitar at one point it was a building that was being worked on and i remember you playing a song and that being a really mind-blowing moment for me i that was across from the village voice it was oh, a new wow. building. So you can go there and see it's this insane skyscraper. And we would climb to the top of the building and sleep on the roof. And <laughs> yeah, we would play music up there. But so I always walked by that building because I could remember I would be like, there's the village voice. Like, we made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I heard you're you're going to be going on the road together for a couple of dates. Is that exciting yeah. to play on the same bill? And it's and so be... exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think speaking to your question about why music, you know, like I think I was a really kind of self assured child, and then it kind of went backwards for me in a way. You know, like I definitely thought I was great before I was and I know I had like a burning passion you know and I remember like sharing with my sisters when I was really young I like sat them down on the bed and I was like I have to tell you guys something and I was probably like seven and they were like okay what is it like really nervous like what is this child gonna share with us and I was like I'm gonna be a singer <laughs> and they, they were like okay yeah but yeah I think in some ways like I knew and then in other ways I was kind of a late bloomer I'm just kind of coming to terms with that this year actually and that I have like a deep resistance to the, in the industry in general the music mm. industry and and I think that has kept me from, you know, pursuing, like, I just realized when Alinda invited me to come on this tour, like we've played many shows together, but 
I don't think I've ever really been on a big stage. And I was like, um, okay, this is cool. <laughs> I haven't been on there yet, but I'm like, it occurred to me I didn't, I didn't really exactly have that dream or I haven't since I was really young, you know? One thing I forgot to ask you, Linda, was about the song Precious Cargo, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, I just wanted, I mean, there was something, I was moved by the fact that you, it's very hard, I think, for artists to write uh, about things they to write about activism this is a shorthand uh-huh. you know what I mean like I find it really cheesy often when people are trying to like tell you what they believe in totally like I can't I'm always like no that's not what I mean by art and activism <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean David Lynch when I mean art and activism do you know what I mean uh-huh. like, he's all about awakening and TM but then he makes the darkest art so and your song Precious Cargo is a perfect example of of that of the ability to tell a story that is really spot on talking very specifically about ice you know ICE and and yet it's not it doesn't feel like a protest song or in a way that would be cheesy it's on it's like an absolutely alternative album track that is saying something and that is so hard I think to do and there are a few artists that do it yeah, mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about joy lately, about how do we how do we experience it? How do we allow it into our bodies? And you know, with with a song like Precious Cargo, I thought so much about being a witness. I feel like that's been a lot of my journey as a songwriter is witnessing so much suffering or witnessing injustice and this feeling of what do I do with with what I'm seeing right before my eyes and how do I somehow share it with people, you know, and, and I think I kind of let go of this idea that I could convince people to care. Um, I think I had that on my last album. I thought I could convince them if I just said it well enough. Mm. And with a song like precious cargo, I decided it was more about just sharing a story, sharing the stories that men in, in uh, these detention centers told me, that I just, that, you know, they wanted the world to hear it and I want the world to hear it. And that's also, you know, just as good. It's like, it, it's for me, I've, I've met a lot of like humbling lately, <laughs> just mm-hmm. being like, I'm just going to make the work that I make and, and I hope it, it helps somebody somehow. Oh, thank you so much. Well, that's really what this space serves as, is a space to share stories Mm -hmm. in an intentional way. We never know how it can help others. Like we can assume we're just sharing something and it's, it's, it's in a vacuum or no one's going to, but for all you know, it changed the course of someone's life. That's what happened with me and Amelia. I met Amelia and heard her writing songs about her life and she's lived such a different experience than me and grew up in the south and just like it was a totally different way of growing up but she had these images in her songs that just stuck with me so much it's like sometimes you just share your own story and it's so particular but yet like there's this shared something in there that people just it it changed the course of my life it made me feel like I wasn't crazy you know or I wasn't alone and 
um, it got me addicted to writing songs. So that's cool. Oh, thanks so much for your time. What a joy to spend it with you. Well, this is Alinda Segarra of Hooray for the Riff Raff, and I'm introducing Amelia Jackie and her song All Around Town. Heartache, heartache, 
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 